minus 100s and thousands, and we are taking control Hold of your- Hold up. <laughs> yeah, nah, sorry, Deej. Don't know whether you checked. Episode 19, fam. You know what that means. It's the remix. Come on now. Yeah, we are doing the remix episode. For those who aren't familiar with it, it's the one where basically we pick the songs that we deem have been hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100 for but 1996. Weren't actually in the- well, they weren't. <laughs> yeah. 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 Spoiler alert. And in further spoilers, most of these would not have been suitable for yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like, why didn't this make it in? No, it's, <laughs> actually, it started. I, I think there's enough. Why did this make it in? That these aren't that bad. Yeah, true. No, that's true. And but, but I have to say that on that, when you go through and you look at the big hitters from 1996, although we do have some weird inclusions in this in this countdown, as you do every countdown, it was pretty well covered. There I weren't have to there say. weren't so, the yeah. bizarre omissions that we had last year with exactly. like nothing from the bends getting in. I mean, it would be different. I think. Listening back from 1996, I'm sure if you were in the middle of it, there would have been some songs around that would have been huge at the time that maybe didn't get in. Yeah. Which would have been fascinating. And, of course, we would love to hear it if you were around in 1996 and you were following on to the countdown at the time. What did they miss? Uh, Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And if you weren't, just, like, what what should have been there? We we also Also saw a lot of stuff where, like... You know, an artist had two big singles in that year and one got in the countdown and the other has sort of become more successful since then. Yeah. But you're like, yes. huh, it's weird that in 96 this was the song that would made it in because if you did the same countdown again, maybe it would be the other way around. It is the beautiful thing about the remix episode. We ask these kind of questions. We provide our own weird answers, yeah. but mainly we just talk about the songs that we want to talk about. It would about. be yeah. really <laughs> cool to see, year. like, the hottest 200 Back in the day, like yeah, if, they, if they'd done that. the same thing where they just like they do now, where they just release everything that yeah. got you know just missed out. Well, they play it now. They play it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, which that's is, right. Which yeah. is good. Oh, you just gotta you just gotta indulge in like the Schadenfreude of number one hundred and one. Mm. Like you didn't make it in. I reckon that's a great spot to get. Personally, I'd be cheering. Well, yeah. it's well, that's it's the, not because you're not in the honest one hundred. <laughs> that's the cool spot. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's like, right. Yeah, that's I'm right. not going to be on the CD, but check out my unearth page. We, you know, <laughs> exactly. we could have we could have made it in if we just bothered promoting ourselves <laughs> ever. Yeah. I if guess. we sold out, we would have made it in. Yeah, but yeah. we're too pure for that. <laughs> it's just like getting getting like one mark off like a distinction or whatever. And you'd be like, yeah. oh, I could have, like, I can quantify how much I would have needed to do to get that yeah. extra mark. <laughs> if I had spent, like, 20 minutes instead of watching some TV or whatever, I probably would have got that mark. All right, let's get into it. The songs that we have chosen for the 1996 countdown, starting with me. Cause... Starting with you. <laughs> Who are you, by the way? I don't think I don't recall you introducing yourself. Oh, my name is Adam Buncher. And Hi, joining Adam. me once again is... See, this is why you do this. <laughs> <laughs> joining me once again, Mr. David James Young. Vegetable rights in peace. What? Young Never ones. <laughs> Andrew McDonald. Also those things. And Nathan Harrison. Yeah, same. This has been completely out of order. Only BBC <laughs> comedy fans will get this. This is why it's the remix. Nothing comes out like... That's, you know, that's like, right. Where's the hook in this song? Comes at the very end. You put it in the gas. Alright, so here's my song. Prepare to get majorly bummed out. Oh. This is Modest Mouse with Dramamine.
Modest Mouse with Dramamine. My inclusion for the 1996 remix. What number so, should it have come in at? Do you uh, think? <laughs> it, it, look, honestly, I'm not. This should not have been in the Modest. <laughs> it's, it's. I want to talk about Modest but, Mouse. Is but, what this okay. is. <laughs> like, this is. He couldn't a, wait until 2004 when they actually yeah, tuned yeah. in. It's not like like the, just, bar- uh, the barbecues happening, the beers are coming on. Oh, <laughs> do you remember my ex? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Because I do. But she'll be back. I she'll think be you back. can say, I think you can, I don't know, maybe you think it should have been number one, but like, no. where where would you think it would go? Look, I honestly think it should go where all the great stuff happens, at least in the modern countdowns, I find, like somewhere between the 80 to 60 bracket. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. That's good. You know, that's you know good. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, like a 74 or something. Yeah, classic yeah. 74. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, I'm for it. That's but good. also, like, I I absolutely would not want this to come on during a during a barbecue for the whole 100. <laughs> I mean, everyone's in the park playing cricket. <laughs> this is a sad song. And DJ, you're right. Like, Modest Mouse do eventually make it into the Hottest 100, which yeah. is awesome. Some really, really great tracks coming up. Float on from 2004. Massive indie anthem. Dashboard from 2006. Yeah. Huge songs, but they're not really what this early era of Modest Mouse is. Yeah. And I've spent this year really digging into the kind of mid-90s indie scene where, like, the stuff that I I know I love in the kind of uh, early to mid-2000s really started from. So that's kind of been my listening interest this year, which led me on to discovering this album from 96, Modest is, Mouse's debut. If I, if I may play the David Zhang here, uh, what is your relationship with Modest Mouse? Have you liked them for a while? Or? It's still growing, to be honest. And it's yeah. kind of reaching its peak now that I've gone back and kind of listened to this earlier stuff. Mm. I think it was with the 06, um, We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank, that I first got into them. Um, really, really loved the stuff that they were putting down there. They're a, Fit- good, they're a good album name band as well. They are. Absolutely oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, if you wanted to ask my opinion on what their best album is, uh, The Moon in Antarctica, it's a perfect indie rock album. But this is from their first record. Yeah, which is titled This is a Long Drive for Someone with Nothing to Think About. Love it. It's wonderful. It's And for this to be the first thing you hear when you put on the album, this is the opening oh, track. Yeah. The opening, it kind yeah. of, it's like you've you've nailed what this album is quite well and and really introduced what modest mouse is quite well as well which is i think just a band a deeply deeply melancholic band they have such a resignation and it's kind of glorious like it's they express sadness in such a singular way it's a deeply existential kind of sadness yeah, that they have that they, that they don't know what to do with it but it goes into their music so very very wonderfully I really think there's a strong case to be made for um, Isaac Brock, the vocalist, but also guitarist, being one of the most kind of important guitarists in the indie scene. Um, okay. You know, especially in this kind of era. like you, And you can hear it as soon as this song kicks off, those bent harmonics. Yeah, like, sure. And that kind of wavering, not sitting in one place or another... Yeah. Is something that sound of the guitar is that something was, that Modest yeah. Mouse play with a lot, and I yeah. think it really communicates that kind of sense of being ill at ease. Because well, the other yeah. mode that he has, it, the also get is this the really definite, yeah. Jam, yeah, 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 like the strong, assertive, frustrated kind of guitar sounds. Yeah. So, and they they are kind of the main modes that I think and the main emotions that that Modest Mouse play with, and it's articulated yeah. really, really well through the guitar because they are like. A guitar indie band. Yeah. Also, his voice though is just. Like, oh yeah, you know a Modest Mouse song when you hear it. He does very weird 
yeah, yeah. characterful things with his voice that you know no one else does. But again, it it, it, yeah, it, it did very, so much it's to idiosyncratic. Me, yeah, on the note of him like having that kind of distinctive guitar, like I yeah. like I, I think uh, at this point it's because Modest Mouth like. There's a lot of people in Modest Mouse right now. Spoiler alert: There's about like eight people in Modest Mouse now. That's but a at lot. this point, they they were a trio. But yeah, like I think just having the three of them, like there's a lot more space on those early Modest Mouse records. Yeah, definitely. And like they're quiet yeah. and thoughtful in a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. ways. I think you get a lot about what Modest Mouse are on about as well, even from the where they pick. Yeah their name from it's from a Virginia Woolf story called The Mark on the Wall and I found the quote where they've actually taken it and it's I wish I could hit upon a pleasant track of thought a track indirectly reflecting credit upon myself for those are the pleasantest thoughts and very frequent even in the minds of modest mouse coloured people who believe genuinely that they dislike to hear their own praises Mm. how lovely it's mm. and it's just like that's it yep. and then mm. and then you look at the album titles um you know a long yeah. drive for someone with uh, nothing to think about the lonesome crowded west the moon in antarctica alienation like separateness really they also quiet. have an ep called no one's first and your last which is you know <laughs> not as friendly as you'll get really <laughs> and even this song like it's a it's a song about a dysfunctioning relationship the lyrics yeah. are truly wonderful. We kiss on the mouth, but still cough down our sleeve being probably my favorite line oh, in the whole so song. Oh, it's so brutal. Wonderful. Yeah, really, really um, good. And, you know, like Dramamine itself, for those wondering, is a drug used to treat nausea and motion sickness, um, but also taken in large enough quantities can make you trip. I think when you apply that kind of imagery and that kind of metaphor mm. to a dysfunctioning relationship, it's, it's really kind of beautiful. So just to wrap up for me, the reason that I really wanted to highlight this early era Modest Mouse is because I think... They're, they're playing with something very pure and very special that changes later on. And if you've only heard their latest stuff, you kind of wouldn't be aware of this. It's because it's, it's matching what I've been listening to recently. And I, my relationship with Modest Mouse is, is kind of growing and has substantially yeah. grown this year from listening to these guys. I keep going back to them. I keep loving them. And I just think, like, if you're someone who loves, like, really thoughtful, sad music like I do. They're just mm-hmm. an excellent band to go to for that. Yeah, well, 100%. I am um, my relationship to Modest Mouth is incredibly limited. So hearing this was a bit it was a totally totally new listen for me. You, when you hear the lyrics and you said your favorite line um there's a brilliant one but I'm almost glad you didn't step on my toes with, I think that with the <laughs> the last line of the song like which just comes at like the halfway point of the song. Um, yeah, yeah. But when you said I've said what I said and you know what I mean but I still can't focus on anything. And there's something so pure and like driven by like the id of the mind there. Like yeah. when he's like talking to her, like the partner or like the other protagonist yeah, of yeah, the song, yeah. um, like like you, I've articulated my thoughts and you understand what I'm saying, but I don't really know what I'm saying. Like that kind of, and that to me, I think that's this song. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's also Modest Mouse. That's kind of what I was yeah, saying right. as well. It's like, how can this band craft an expression that is itself expressing how hard it is to express something like, but they, they've done that. Like you get that sense. Yeah. I'm glad it's it comes across for you too. More, like I said, I don't know Modest Mouse, but if this is the sound they have, then I, it's time for me to absolutely amend this wrong. Right. This is, <laughs> yeah. This is a very, cause during the, I guess the, there's, uh, there's so few lyrics, but it does, mm. it does so much with them. And like, there's so like the space you're right. Like David, mm. like, there's so much room around everything, but like, it's really, it's still so busy. The drums make it seem so busy and like, kinetic and frantic in the mind and that sketchy back and forth that you don't really know and as a small part the, the very end of the song with the gramophone sample that like yeah. skips back and forth yeah. it's just a real kind of lovely ending to a song and lovely idea of like 
like the dissolution of a relationship with arguments, kind of like that. Like it's, it, it loops again and it mm. loops again. I'm delighted I found this found. I found this song. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Oh, you okay. found yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. I found I'm this. I'm an explorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I am, I'm very glad you chose this song because I'm very glad to have come across it and I really am excited to hear this record. Yeah. The- what I will say though is if you're going to go check them out, they, their albums are very long. So you might be better off just as an entry point, either going straight to Moon and Antarctica, which I think is more concise, or if you do check out uh, Long Drive or Lonesome Crowded, maybe just cher- cherry pick. And if you get a yeah. little bit, if you're getting a little bit restless or whatever, don't be afraid. Just skip through for the first couple of listens. Or hmm. yeah. I'm in pretty much exactly the same boat as you, Andrew. Like, I love really? this for all the reasons. That, and I have no, like, I know Float On. That's all I know of Modest Mouse. Yeah, See, right. this so this is a real, like, me. whoa, this is I, great. I, I, I just assumed that one of those bands that everyone was across. No, nah, because I guess I probably would have heard about them late high school. Whereas, like, I'm into punk music and some yep. other stuff, but I'm particularly not into indie music. But if I had heard this, I would have been like, no, this is actually really good. Mm. But it's, a, a, yeah, I just had a different image of them as a band. So did you ride for the early mouse? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, they came along at a very, very pertinent time in my life where I was discovering a lot of music. I was listening to Triple J. I was very, like, headfirst into alternative rock. And so, yeah, it was a, like a kind of a right place, right time thing for me. And uh yeah, like going back and, and revisiting this first record and this song in particular was, was a cool experience because like you can kind of see the through line that would get them to float on. Yeah, I really like the sound of this and I love that that uh, trio dynamic and um, I think maybe these records are a little bit overlooked. If you go back and look at the 90s stuff, you'll you'll find a band that is, you know, growing and learning and developing and, and writing some really honest and really beautiful and at times fucking brutal songs. Yeah. I'm glad that we got to talk about them, even though they would have absolutely ruined that barbecue. Um, all right, so just a quick whip round of some songs that I didn't pick. Yeah. Guys, are you a little bit proud of me that there, there was indeed a Wu-Tang solo album released in 96? <laughs> <that laughs> I- what? What, what album was it? Ghostface Killers Iron Man. Oh, oh yeah. nice. I, didn't, I didn't take a cut from it. Mm. I don't know. Just <laughs> thought I'd mix it up. I guess this is growing up. <laughs> I was very, very tempted to pick something from uh, Reasonable Doubt, though. I was really, really close to picking Boy Girl Song by Aphex Twin. I was also very really oh, interested in on my FX yeah. Twin. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's amazing. I was also maybe going to pick uh, Get Me Away From Here, I'm Dying by Bell and Sebastian. Oh, great. Oh, get me away from here, I'm dying. And there was a part of me that was tempted to pick Pony by Genuine. Yeah. Because oh, Pony. I feel robbed. Yeah. We'll just go listen to Pony a bunch of times. <laughs> like, we'll let gonna... it. We'll let it play us out. I today. honestly, I thought, wow. I thought about Pony, and I was just like, "What am I going to say?" Like, guys, the Pony is his penis, and they're just like, "That's basically the end of the conversation." <laughs> you don't have to say anything. The other night when we had a big awards gala for at work, uh, it was going okay. It was like like bath party, everyone was drinking, it was going alright, and the DJ was going pretty well, just playing like accessible stuff like that. And then he turned the bass up, and it was just that. <laughs> Everyone just got fucking ratchet. It just was the start of the party. Tires coming off and like (laughs) tears shirt. Yeah, so fucking good. Oh man, it's the greasiest baseline that has ever existed. Yeah, you feel it in your chest. I I had this thing one day. I don't know why this came about. I was like, I'm gonna see how many times I can listen to Genuine's Pony in a row, and it was (laughs) the answer was six. And I took a shower afterwards. (laughs) Anyway, we just grinding on everything. Just I don't want to talk about what that time was. <laughs> <laughs> Everything after the third play is unmentionable. 
Alright, Deej, it's up on you, my man. What have you picked? I, I might go off what you were saying and, and tell you a couple of songs that I didn't pick uh, that were on my short list. Ooh, starting with that, remix indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there was Follow You Down by Gin Blossoms. Anywhere you go, I'll follow you down. Go on, laugh it up. I, fu- <laughs> I, I fucking ride for Gin Blossoms like no one's business. I'm going to get the lyrics of Hey Jealousy tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> You're uh, running out of space on your body. I really the tattoos yeah. you mentioned yeah. this season. Criminal by Fiona Apple from her debut album. One Headlight by The Wallflowers. Which is uh, the band fronted by Mr. Jacob Dylan, Mr. Bob Dylan's son. No shit. Yeah, true story, true story. Uh, Bound for the Floor by Local H. And uh, I Want to Be Your Joe Ramone by Sleater Kinney. Uh, fucking shame that they have never made it into the hottest 100 ever. Especially because every band is Slater Kinney now? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is great. That's the opposite of a problem. Uh, but I couldn't go past this classic. It was written that I would pick this song. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Nas and Lauren Hill. The song is called If I Ruled the World. Imagine that. Harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruiser blue behind the waters. No welfare supporters. More conscious of the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike like a cobra. The world's hot, my son got knocked. Evidently, it's elementary. They want us all gone eventually. Trooping out of state for a plate. Knowledge, if coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars. Imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes. Lacing your click up with diamond rolls. Your people's holding dough. No parole, no rubbers Going raw, imagine law with no undercovers Just some thoughts for the mind I take a glimpse into time Watch the blimp read, the world is mine If I rule the world Imagine that I free all my So that's Nas uh, featuring Ms. Lauren Hill on the on the hook there. Uh, the song's called If I Ruled the World. It is the final song on Nas's second album, which is entitled It Was Written. An album that is generally overlooked, uh, mostly because it's a Nas album and it's not Illmatic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I've only heard one Nas which, album. Which is a mistake he made, so, you know, Look, that's on him. It, it, like, not everyone gets it that yeah. right on their first go, but Nas oh, did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, for those that don't know, Nas is my favourite MC ever. And unfortunately, he would live in the shadow of that record for pretty much his entire career. And no matter how great things got, including on this record, like an album that I feel at points equals Illmatic, like even then, like it was just like, yeah, well, it's not Illmatic. But yeah, as someone who's been listening to Nas, you know, since I was about 13, you know, like I've gone through and I've listened to literally everything that he has ever put out. And 
obviously the al- there are inconsistencies on those records, but like there are at least a handful of songs on every record that I would count as absolute top tier best songs that came out in You're those right. particular years. I like, like I like hearing that. So yeah, like Nas is just someone that I've always been fascinated by. I am inspired by his story and like how he kind of came up through same same with a lot of rappers kind of came up through having nothing and and then went on to all these riches and success. Um, you know, has had, you know, a tumultuous history and uh has kind of had a lot of lot of ups and downs and he's still as you know as technically proficient and engaging and colorful and inventive as a lyricist and a performer and as an MC and I think there are very few examples of that that are greater than If I Ruled the World. So I picked If I Ruled the World because it is one of my favorite songs uh not only from 1996 but ever. Uh it features two of my favorite people uh, which is Nas and Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill, we uh, have touched upon when we talked about the Fugees. I think she adds so much to this song. Like, I, I can't imagine anyone else singing this that hook. Mm. And, you know, and it really is kind of era-defining. Like, the beats and, like, that massive hook and those harmonies that that she builds up like just it just sounds huge it's it's that idea of just cloud talking and and just dreaming you know like having that dream thinking about what life would be like on you know like nasa's thinking you know if i ruled the world and everything in it sky's the limit you know and like he he wants to know like if that's a possibility in, in his lifetime if you know a black man that has you know risen up through the street can make it you know and can reach that level you know Jay-Z had the same dream you know Kanye West had the same dream you know like it's it's a uh, Biggie Smalls you know it's yep. just this constant story through hip hop but it is never not engaging because everyone has their own versions of that story everyone has their own way that they came to be where they are mm. you know yeah and uh that's that's one of the great things about american hip hop especially in the 90s like you know a lot of these stories were were coming through and i am always kind of fascinated by them there's a bleakness to this song, but there's also that that optimism, uh, which I find really, yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. And uh, for someone who is widely regarded as one of the best MCs of all time, I, it's still crazy to me that he is still so underrated that yeah, people will often just overlook him or just only think of him in that one light, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. in regards to Wilmatic. I'm surprised it didn't get in. Mm. Like this is a pretty commercially successful single. I think it just goes back to something that, you know, like when I picked hip hop songs for the previous kind of remixes, the the tragedy is, you know, like it's we we know about it now, mm, um, yeah. but at the time it was fairly American centric. Yeah, like maybe it, it took a while it, it to took, really for certain catch stuff. I think to to kind of make it over potentially. That's that's yeah. what it was. But, but I I agree that maybe in this instance it's weirder because yeah. we already had the Fugees. Exactly, yeah. and know? and so, Lawrence Hook just makes it so. So catchy, it's like this accessible. is a really it's pop, a very popping. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely is. I'm I'm assuming no one here has heard any Nas apart from Illmatic. That is <laughs> true for me. And and apart from like I know this song. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the same. I knew this song. Previously. Did you know this song? I did not. Okay. Yeah, I okay. I, I really really liked it. Um, oh, awesome. This is just wonderful. The fact that it starts, we we think it's one song, and then he kind of interrupts himself, and the beat changes up, and then it becomes the Lauren Hill hook, and then he goes into the actual like the beat proper yeah. is so wonderful I had to listen to this a few times back to back and then with the lyrics in front of me as well just to process the 
what he's actually saying because it is it's really really smartly written stuff like yeah. like the when you said about that desire for change that like that aspirational goal that hip hop has done very very well for so long yeah. but I think the way he does this like it's anger but it's anger channeled in the best way that you can as a artist or as a human being the best way you can channel your anger is for positive change and this aspirational goal that he channels through hip hop is just so fucking wonderful and the yeah. lyrics are just yeah the the beat is unique Lawrence Hook obviously is fucking gorgeous this is socially conscious hip hop done to as close to perfection as I can conceivably see in the mid-90s. It's just yeah. so, so smart. Yeah. It's just a, everything about it is just so clever. Yeah, this is a wonderful track. It's just a beautiful song. Like, all the parts of it work so well together. They bo- both do such an incredible job. And it's like it does all that stuff and then it's still just like a wonderful pop song. It's so easy. It's so, like, yeah. pleasant to listen to. And, yeah, a lot of that, I think, just comes from that really positive vibe or whatever. It's a little thing, but I just think the, the, the actual timber of Nas's voice is really, really good. The flow is just ridiculous. He's so fucking good at it. He just weaves in and out of the beat so seamlessly. Yeah, But, yeah. like, the actual sound of his voice, it's very pleasant just hearing him rap. You know, they talk about the rap game, and they, what I basically read is that no artist really stands alone. They're all influencing and in conversation with one another because hip-hop has always been a community and it's always been a dialogue. It's always been a dialogue between artists. It's always been a dialogue between community. It's always been a dialogue between, you know, the culture and the world as a whole. Nas at this era, you look at, like, the rhyme structures and the technicality that he brings to the way he's constructing his verses. And you have to say, like, man, like, he's got to be one of the guys responsible for rappers needing to step up their game to match that from this point on. Yeah. And it's on show big time in this song. Yeah. Stoked you liked it. Yeah. Stoked yeah. you picked it. Glad yeah. to hear. Yeah. We're really upset if someone didn't like that yeah. song. <laughs> We're really so- upset if anyone didn't like any of the songs we picked for it's a, a little bit like that. Like- yeah. <laughs> Heading over to my boy Nathan now. Dude, hey. I'm super excited that you picked this song. What is Me it? too. I have picked Building Steam with a Grain of Salt by DJ Shadow. Had to be done. Producing. From listening to records, I just knew what to do. I mainly taught myself. And, you know, I did pretty well. Except there were a few mistakes, but... Uh, I have just recently cleared up. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can. And I feel like I have a lot of work to do. Still, you know, I'm a student of the drums. And I'm also a teacher of the drums, too. So I picked uh, Building Steam with a Grain of Salt by DJ Shadow off his very acclaimed album, Introducing. Mm. It's the first song after the kind of like intro track leading into it. There were a lot of songs I did think about, um, even like songs by like Bad Religion and Nick Cave who had songs in this countdown, but like the albums they put out this year are kind of like, there's more stuff here. And and Nick Cave had Murder Ballads. Murder Ballads, exactly. Mm. 
motherfucker, you know who I am. And the barkeeper said, no, and I don't give a good goddamn. Other stuff like Tortoise, great album, Millions Living Now Will Never Die. Slitter Kinney as well. The Space Jam soundtrack came oh, out this year. Yeah. It was mm. pretty hard to not pick Quad City DJs. Yeah. Actually, I should have. Like, I, I, I I'm so want sorry. to change my vote. Yeah, yeah. Every, everyone is just so filled with regret right now. Because yeah, yeah. if it was the barbecue, I know what I want to hear. Yeah, actually, shit. Um, also, Oval's 94 Discont album is a really lovely early IADM album that is beautiful. But I picked DJ Shadow. Oh, man, I really wish I pissed Quartz. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it. What an idiot. This needs to be talked about in 96. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's 96, it. This, you have to talk about DJ Shadow. Introducing is yes. just huge. Monolithic it's, it's, and singular. Absolutely. Like, the way he... He didn't invent, like, using samples in music or whatever, but the way that he crafted this album and then the success of this album yeah. is, like, defining in terms of, like, plunderphonics, in terms of an entire genre around building music from samples of other music. Yeah. That's where we get the avalanches. That's where we get like party DJs like Girl Talk. There's like, you yeah. know, Fennec, who we both love. Like, there's so many really amazing artists that work in that space. And DJ Shadow is just like the moment that that kind of exploded as an idea. Uh, it's really strange that uh, it, it got picked up more in the UK first. He didn't have a lot of success at home in America until a little way down the track. That seems perfectly logical to me because of well, trip hop. Ex- but uh, Yeah, absolutely. But also thinking about, you know, UK the British BC. track we've talked about, uh, Underworld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Prodigy. Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, like all these bands. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, of course you're going to have success there. But yeah, he actually like he did a big sort of media tour of, of the UK and then came back and nothing happened for a while. And it was just like, have I been like tricked? Like, which I think is really interesting. But eventually it did sort of pick up. So this album, this whole album he made with a an Akai MPC 60 sampler. It's this beautiful, like it looks, it looks exactly what you think like a, you know, dodgy 90s sampler yeah, machine yeah, yeah. would look like. Yeah, totally. Out of records that he went, he had this beautiful routine of going to rave records every day and just digging through the music and finding bits and pieces. Yeah, hence the album cover. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the photo is of, of him. Very at, iconic album yeah, cover. Yeah, absolutely. This track in particular, uh, like there are other singles, um, Midnight in a Perfect World yep. is a great one. But-, but I wanted to pick this because this is the one that I always felt the most drawn to maybe partially Definitely. because it, it opens the album no i feel the same way yeah it's just a gorgeous track the way that he works the layers in is so beautiful and then you get all these really playful bits with the drums and there's kind of like yeah. little breakbeat drum feels going on the beautiful like interview with the drummer george marsh where he's just talking about his craft as a drummer and how he's a student of the drums, but he's also a teacher. Yeah. It's like, it's beautiful, but that stuff also really well reflects DJ Shadow's own craft in like showing how he's constructing this album. Yeah. Because you, you you can't, you can't ever surpass the samples you're using. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And so the way that this, all these interviews is talking about making music, it just really well reflects quite explicitly what's going in on in the song, which yeah, I think yeah. is just beautiful to sort of show that craft and really like point it out as you're doing it. It's just like, it's a gorgeous song. I love that kind of, you know, almost downbeat instrumental hip hop thing. I write hard for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And no other album like 
really this stands alone when it comes to instrumental hip-hop in a lot of ways there are other albums but you gotta dig for them whereas like yeah uh, pre- this is what regarded as this this goes in like greatest albums of all time yeah lists, absolutely you know what i mean and it yeah. is an instrumental hip-hop album so I, that's what i mean when i say that it's kind of it's kind of monolithic you know yeah, what I mean? like, totally. of, of the big three of those classic ones this avalanche has never left you and jay Dilla's Dilla's donuts, donuts. Mm. yeah like all three of them are so different sides of a weird it's, coin exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly and if you like if you're a fan of dj shadow you wouldn't necessarily love either of the other two and vice versa mm. the other yeah. Two yeah. As well. yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah i really appreciate the effort that goes into this record and it's fucking pretty hard to make that sort of music now with the technology mm. we have now to do that shit in the 90s yeah like yeah. is like when you think about when this came out how he would have had to put this shit together is literally unbefucking leaveable but i think that's kind of the thing i think that's what why it exists you know it's it's kind of like the obstacle is the way kind of thing you know what yeah. i mean mm. like it's the it's in the the finding solutions to problems that you come up with the creative solutions that you then put down you know it's by it's by playing and by not knowing where exactly it's going to go and you know like i think there's a lot of playfulness in this style of music and there's a lot of playfulness in introducing as an album as well like the beat and like the, the those dark heavy chords of the piano that come in it sounds like a pretty dark like somber piece of music like but then it like the playfulness it undercuts that when like at the, the kind of the two-thirds mark when it has that really hendrixy wah wah guitar like, <laughs> yeah True, which and is so just, tight. And it's just like, just, I just, I can't, you can't help but smile. Once I hear that producing at the start and that sample of the just dis- discussion, like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, I feel like I feel the tension from my neck muscles just relax a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know that feel. I heard yeah. it like on the radio a couple of months ago. I was just driving. I hadn't listened to this album for, I, I don't know how long. And someone on FBI played it just while I was driving somewhere. And absolutely, it's just yeah. like, as soon as producing, then like, you oh, sink, you sink just like, into your chair shit. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you sink in. It's just like, it's odd to call like instrumental hip hop beautiful, but like it, there's it so much beautiful. beauty in this track. It's uh-huh. just so fucking immaculate. And you're right yeah. with that, the finding solutions thing and like how hard it would have been. And like, there is some excellent instrumental hip hop that's around at the moment. And like, there are yeah. a lot of excellent producers working. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Now, like hearing record static is part of the design of instrumental hip hop when you're making yeah. it on a computer. Like, you yeah. artificially put in the white noise but like here like there's no there's no way around it it's like oh this is a really old dusty record yeah, this is and, how it's supposed to sound yeah. yeah and like oh I cut the tape a little bit unevenly this is not going to sound perfect mm. and the, the, mm. those problems just make it such a beautiful fucking piece yeah, of work yeah imperfectly perfect exactly yeah, yeah. And also deceptive, though, because it's like yeah. as you said, it, it all comes together so seamlessly and so wonderfully that you really have to continually remind yourself as a kind of like almost mindfulness practice when you're listening to DJ Shadow <laughs> to go like, wait, that new thing that just came in, that was a choice that was thought yeah. about. Yeah, that, and, and, that came from nowhere, and he decided that out of everything that that's, he had, that's like he an, picked a that. completely it, obscure sample he heard right. in isolation. That's right. And figured out that it would sound this good that combined with guitar. these other elements. Yes. You know yeah, what that is? Yeah. Like, that is fucking remarkable. Because That's it like- seems like, of course, that needs to go there. It's perfect. You do that in one track. You do that in just mm. this track. And then the next track comes along and you need to repeat the process over again for the entire duration of the album. And I could imagine that if you actually were following along with that, you'd get exhausted, but you'd <laughs> but, have a whole new respect for what was going on. Like in a band jamming out, it's like, oh, you know what? I feel like if I just jam on this riff here, like, and then they'll bounce off those ideas because like musicality works, blah, blah, blah. But it's just one obsessive dude hunched over a sampler who's like 
going through it's like oh what, what was that sample like I, I remember I got that record and I knew it would work what, what part of the record was that what side of the record was this yeah. and going the, the obsessive nature of creating that like as I said talking about 96 you had to do it yeah you had to pick it it is perfect it's just a shame you can't talk about this and Space Jam so I also <laughs> brought in <laughs> one more song left to go for this 1996 remix episode Mr. Andrew McDonald. What have you got for us? I've got uh, here, this is uh, Dirty Three with I Remember a Time When Once You Used to Love Me. with I Remember a Time When Once You Used to Love Me from their record, Horse Stories. I chose this over a couple of songs. Uh, like I was, like you said, Aphex Twin, but I was thinking actually um, of To Cure a Weakling Child. Um, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that whole album shouts, shouts Richard, out to Richard D. James' Richard album. D. James record, oh, yeah. it's good. Um, Chibo- Just barbecue hits after barbecue <laughs> hits. <laughs> Doesn't alienate you from anyone. No, yeah. Cracking open a cold run with the twin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was also thinking between uh, Chibo Maddo's The Candyman. Okay. The John Spencer Blues Explosions, Two Kinds of Love. And Einstein sends a Neubauten's The Garden. You will find me if you want me in the garden, unless it's boring down. Ah, uh, yes, another classic Hottest 100 Classic Hottest 100 banger. Here's, here's some soft, delicate instrument, like for vaguely industrial German Here's this German man whispering Basil, Basil just runs out of his sandals. It got in at 98! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yes! But I ended up choosing this great song. Um, I This banger. I love the Dirty Three and Awful What. This mm-hmm. was obviously never going to make it into the countdown. Although there were some, like, fucking, it's more accessible than matter. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the Dirty Three are one of my absolute favourite Australian bands of all time. Mm. A lot of people know them. If not, they certainly know Warren Ellis from his work with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and a bunch of soundtracks. Uh, and the other two members of the band are Mick Turner and Jim White, also brilliant musicians. Mm. Horse Stories, the record this is from, is. Perhaps my favourite record of theirs. Certainly one of their most acclaimed, along with 
ocean songs, yeah. but this is probably my preference. And I think this song, it's not. I don't think it's entirely representative of the Dirty Three sound. It's a bit more like I guess punk sounding than a lot of their more contemplative music. But I yeah. think this is certainly why I initially turned to them and why I turn to them now. This is just I think like a fucking dirty rapture fire dance of a song. Warren's violin work. He's one of the finest musicians in Australia working today. And it's on like full form display here. Like the anger he puts into this song from the slow kind of Eastern European Romani sounding like sweeping. Sorry, I'm, I'm just really aware that I want this to be, we're talking about a violin song, I want this to be a safe space for Adam where he feels like he has ah. the respect and agency to be able to talk about this song. Oh, it's a violin song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, cool. I, I heard. Just guitar and drum. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so so was... they're called the Dirty Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. missing a lot in this track. <laughs> You're missing an awful lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. When the song starts and the, the kind of soft kind of plucking of the strings and then it gets more sweeping as it goes on and builds and like circles around itself like songs like this like show off why the band is kind of like Warren and the gang but like <laughs> the other two are wonderful like there's the Jim White the drummer absolute best behemoth in Australia. one of got to be right he's yeah. just yeah. an absolute yeah. him behemoth him and Bree Van Riker the two best drummers yeah. in Australia don't at me yeah. he, is, <laughs> he is an absolute behemoth on this song like so angry so fierce and also just quietly and this is a niche list of favourite things to have but at, to <laughs> around like the four minute mark when everything cuts out and it's just the drums and a little bit of guitar feedback mm. it has my absolute favourite snare sound ever <laughs> so tight. I think the guitar here mixed kind of almost like the rhythm section in this song, I think. Just mm. like it's gorgeous, angry, and it's an utterly beautiful song to me. I um with this, the song title being what it is, this is just projecting, but I do think that this carries like the passion of remembering a time when someone used to love you and no longer does. Like you recall the beauty, but you're trapped within the pain. I think this is such a gorgeous piece of music. Do you know that it's a cover? I did not know that it's a cover. It's a cover. This is mental. Who this did it originally? It's a cover of a Greek song uh, called oh, Mia Fora Thymomia, uh, which translates yeah. to I, I remember a time once when you It sounds... Because I know wow. that he has a lot of work with Greek musicians and yeah, it sounds very yeah. Greek with the violin um, work. Written by a uh, Yanis Spanos and performed by Arletta. <laughs> I had no idea until Next you'll be telling me Torn's a cover (laughs) (laughs) You're 100% right This is such a gorgeous song For all of the reasons you say Like this is The Dirty Three On full display Mm. As the incredible musicians And composers and arrangers Like The dynamics that they pull off In this band Are completely unique Mm. Like when I listen to The Dirty Three it's not like anything else. Yeah, and that I like, listen to. not many bands do what the Dirty Three do. No, and not just, oh, yeah. and not, not, not just because it's instrumental and there's violin. Bands don't really sound like the Dirty Three. Yeah, which is a a, a tragedy, but also I get it because it's hard to be this <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. good. And we kind of talked a little bit when we first started talking about Powderfinger. This countdown of mm. that kind of real Australian sense of of like expansive land and and that breadth yes. in the song and like yeah. that's Warren's violin. It just sounds like the Australian landscape. Mm. It's, it's phenomenal. And like you said, yeah. the, the rest of the band are just incredible. The three of them are just untouchable. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a great quote from Nick Cave that I found where he says, like, he's talking about the Dirty Three being his absolute favourite band in the world to see live. And he's just talking about how because there's no vocalist, there's, no, there's nothing to draw your attention to 
um, you focus in on each individual part or you allow your attention to drift between each individual part all the more. And he describes every time he goes and sees them, he's just like his imagination just goes off and he ends up walking out with heaps of song lyrics yeah. because he just ends up standing there. And I mean, as a front man, I suppose that's like just a classic thing. So you are, that it's just who you are, Nick Cave. Like. And, and also now because it's like, it's his, like, his best friend. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I wish that we could all go and see our best friend play and then have that creatively inspire us. Yeah. That's uh, that's my dream for the world, <laughs> frankly. Like, it's beautiful. So they don't play live very often, but if you ever get the chance, they are really one of the best live acts that Australia's ever produced. Absolutely. It is so engaging, so busy, so fascinating. But Warren is just such a fantastic storyteller. He he Between songs, he tells these kind of like, three to four minute stories what the song is ostensibly about which is just some rambling amusing or sad funny narrative that he tells about the songs like it just goes to show how like they're narrative songs like they all tell stories like yeah you get a sense of that very strongly yeah yeah but yeah absolutely no surprise at all this is this is oddly fucking gorgeous like um yeah i love this band um yeah they're just one of those bands that's kind of been in the background for a while for me but then yeah like Around the end of uni, around 2011, I got really into them and have not turned back. And uh, for as much as I will, like, delve into one particular thing, it, it's just like this seemingly bottomless, endless stream of just like, oh, yeah, they did that too. Oh, they did that too. Oh, fucking one of them was on this song. Oh, one of them was on this song. And they just they just kind of end up everywhere for everything that they do apart. There is nothing like when the three of them are in the same room playing together. They know each other so well, and they don't need to say a word. They can just get up and perform, and that's it. And you can feel that in this song, even though, you know, they didn't write it. They they perform it as if no one else could have possibly done it. They can make anything that you put in front of them identifiably theirs. And, yeah, I think this is a really, really great example of, of what they're able to do and the stories they're able to tell. Enough and said. If you're reading a book that's got, you know, a long journey in it and a lot of sweeping landscapes yeah, and whatever. Yeah, Ocean songs, that's my hey, shit. It's, it's pretty good. I was reading some stuff earlier on this year and I, was, uh, I had, um, had Dirty Three crank it on it. Worked, Lovely. Hell yeah. Worked pretty well. I'm glad we all had the correct take on all of the songs. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the 1996 remix episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. We know that this is a bit of a different kind of episode to what we normally do, but I think in a podcast that's mainly based around us talking about our tastes, another side of that is just hearing what we would like to talk about unrestricted. It's somewhat self-indulgent, but at least... I hope that you managed to get something out of that in in terms of us talking about, you know, the songs that we love. And please tell us what songs you would have picked as well. Yeah, like please. find us on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever, because that's really interesting for us, like finding Definitely. all the gems in that didn't make it into the countdown. We love music, in case you didn't pick that up, <laughs> and we like discovering new music. New uh, music, that's Triple J. <laughs> <laughs> and this doesn't have to be a one-way conversation. Hottest Hundreds and Thousands ideally shouldn't be so no. <laughs> so we're doing our part yeah. <laughs> on behalf of Mr. David James Young yeah boy on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison see you to, for the top 10 exactly that is what we are about to crack into next and on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald see you next week we will see you for the top 10 of the 1996 hottest 100 my name is Adam Buncher the music we like is good for you everybody get up it's time to slam now we got the real jam going down welcome to the space jam here's your chance do your dance at the space jam all right